1: Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Mississippi State University Center for Distance Education, providing online programs and certification at the graduate and undergraduate levels. Distance at State, even there you're here. More information at distance.msstate.edu.
0: Good morning. It's 8 30 on Thursday, July 13th. I'm Karen Brown and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a national children's advocate returns to the Mississippi Delta, urging people to fight for their rights. The investigation into Monday's deadly military plane crash continues. TV viewing is one of the top ways families spend time together, find out how to make that time more educational and engaging for children.
2: Not just turn on the TV or hand the kid a tablet whenever there's some downtime, but instead really think about what are the best times of day?
0: And in our book club segment, a conversation with a former newspaper reporter and SEC football player and now best selling author. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A national advocate for children is working to energize Mississippians to fight for quality health care. Marion Wright Edelman, the founder of the Children's Defense Fund, is touring the Delta. It's part of the 50th anniversary of the 1967 Delta Poverty Tour. Back then, Robert F. Kennedy joined her on that trip, which led to advances in programs to fight poverty. Now, Edelman is urging people to speak out against attempts to dismantle Medicaid. She says programs like Head Start are helping youngsters, but more than one in seven Mississippi children still live in extreme poverty. She tells MPB's Desiree Frazier people should reach out to their legislators.
3: And this is the 50th anniversary coming up, and we need to honor that by saying we're going to end child poverty in this country. I um, mean, you can't help children without helping the families, but we don't like poor adults, so let's just focus on prevention and making sure that the next generation has the early Head Start quality. And prenatal care, and keep the infrastructure we have, and move af- ahead. So I think this has inspired me. I'm, you know, I'm, we can do this, but we just got to focus on our children and stay with it. Okay? It's not about press conferences and one one-shot efforts. This is about persistence and the amount of progress that came out of the poor people here. Now we need to build on the progress and hold on to what we've achieved. What about solutions? What are some things that we could be doing better? You should be tying up every phone line of every member of the Mississippi delegation to say, don't you dare dismantle. What kind of people take away tens of millions of people's health care? They're all up there voting against their own constituent interests. Don't let them get away with that. They should not be able to call out. They should tie up those phone lines and go up there and when they come home, they shouldn't be able to hear anything except people in you saying, don't you touch health care, don't you. What kind of state turns down Medicaid that will help millions of people um, in their own states and around the country and jobs? I mean, what kind of program? Don't let them get away with that, but they will do it if you let them. Um, and the same thing with the federal feeding program. How can you just leave all that money on the table, you know, for the summer, and then we can talk about fresh vegetables all we want, and I love it, and I want gardens, and I want organic food, but they got to have food. Okay, and so that they need to cease so we, we, we just we need to put children at the top of our agenda. The world's changed, okay? It's different, but we've got great advantages because we know more, we've made more progress, we've got more trained people that they use it for the community and not just themselves. On the other hand, it is going to be difficult but very different reasons. Um, the world's changed, and so you can't go back and, and do the same things you used to do. But we look at where we are, and then we assess the power that we have, and we develop the strategies, but we can do it. Look at the miracles of the Civil Rights Movement. In the Civil Rights Movement, we had the best meeting in a debate with seven six generations out at Haley Farm about when did the civil rights movement start, and none of us could agree on when it started. Some said, bus boycott, some said whatever. And we finally ended up saying it started really at the turn of the century with when World War I veterans began to return home and see German prisoners of war. It's seeds. It's like sowing seeds. And you then sow enough seeds, some of them are going to die, some of them will pros- prosper, some of them will have a bumper crop. And we've been seeding the next movement for the last 50 years, but we've got a strong foundation. We've got to build the rest of the house. It's disgraceful that America lets its children be the poorest age group in America, and it's going to be our undoing. But you said it was Kennedy that helped turn the tide? Kennedy was able to command the press. Everybody who came to Mississippi, I to sort of grab him and say, yo, come on. He He was a superstar, but he cared, and he got it, and he persisted. He went, I mean, he was a pit bull, and he didn't just come. He went and followed up and followed up and followed up, and so he was transformed by this trip in Mississippi. But it moves things to a whole different stage because he was who he was and the time was what it was. And he and Dr. King's interests could converge in both about the war in Vietnam but about feeding people here. So I feel so lucky to just be a fly on the wall. It's great. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Edelman made stops in Glendora at the site where Emmett Till was killed in Jonestown and in Marks for a panel discussion about the gains and issues still facing the Delta. Coming up, the latest on the investigation into a military plane crash in the Magnolia State. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
4: Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio.
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi and federal officials are still searching for remains of 16 servicemen killed in a Marine Corps aircraft crash in LaFleur County on Monday. Some say it could take up to one week to locate the remains in the rural area. The debris field extends for some three miles. Officials say preservation of sites and equipment is one part of the recovery process. Brigadier General Bradley James is the commanding general of 4th Marine Aircraft Unit in New Orleans. He is thanking Mississippians for their assistance.
5: Two days ago, July 10, 2017, the United States Marine Corps lost a KC-130T Tango model from VMGR 452 based at Stewart International Guard Base, Newburgh, New York. VMGR 452 is within the command structure of Marine Air Group 49 and ultimately under me at 4th Marine Air Wing. The mission of the flight, Yankee 7 2 flight, was that of airlift of a team from Marine Corps Special Operations Command 2nd Raider Battalion based out of Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. The route of the flight was planned from Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point, North Carolina to Naval Air Facility El Centro, California, and then to Marine Corps Air Station Yuma, Arizona. At approximately 1,600, 4 p.m. Central Time, air traffic control lost radar contact. Shortly thereafter, large plumes of smoke were discovered in the Itabina, Mississippi area. More specifically, two large impact areas are half a mile north of Highway 82 and a half a mile south of Highway 82. Indications are something went wrong at cruise altitude there is a large debris pattern. On board were 16 great Americans representing the United States Marine Corps and the United States Navy. Nine of the Marines are from BMGR 452 Newburgh, New York. Six Marines from 2nd Raider Battalion, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, and one Navy hospital corpsman with a 2nd Raider Battalion, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Family members have been notified out of respect for the families, we will not release the names or specifics as of now. Expect the roster of names within the next few days. The members involved in response to the Yankee 72 mishap is extensive in agencies and skill sets. We're working through the process in a four-phased four approach. Number one, recovery of remains and effects, notification of next of kin. Number two, preservation of the impact sites and equipment. Number three, investigation. Number four will be the cleanup and the restoration of the impact sites. This tragic mishap has brought together many wonderful people from federal, state, and local agencies. I also want to thank the rock solid people of the local area and your assistance in anything that you have able, been able to provide us. You make the state of uh, Mississippi great.
0: Marshall Fisher is commissioner at the State Department of Public Safety. He says the loss reminds us to honor servicemen and women.
1: What happened Monday is a grim reminder of the sacrifice of the sailors, Marines, airmen that serve our great country. And even though they weren't in a combat situation, it's a loss to families. And out of respect for those families, we appreciate the prayers and support of the people of the great state of Mississippi. It is not a surprise to me to learn of the support of the Marine Corps from the people in Lafleur County and from the people of this state. It is not uncommon for Mississippians to be up front at times like this. So thank you for your prayers and your support. The site crash area has been secured by elements of the Department of Public Safety, Department of Wildlife, and numerous other law enforcement agencies. Uh, As you know, undertaking like this is uh, not there's not just one agency it's a team effort we have a pretty large uh, area to cover there are items that are going to be recovered by teams on the ground some of these may be unsafe so members of the public if you uh, happen happen upon any of these items I'm going to give you a number to call here in just a minute and it's very important Note note, none of this stuff should be touched. Removal of anything from any of these areas could be subject to criminal prosecution. Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Bureau, federal agency has a lead on that. We've been in contact with the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Northern District, uh, acting U.S. Attorney Chad Lamar. If you come up on anything, anything, we'll give you a number to call. 1-800-ATF-GUNS one atf guns There are ordnance disposal teams in the area. There is a possibility that the ordnance teams may be disposing of some devices to render them safe. If the public hears an explosion, small explosion in that regard, there should be no need for alarm.
0: The crash is the deadliest military crash in the world since 2005. Coming up, ideas and tips on how to make the most of children's screen time during summer months with educational media. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
4: On Creature Comforts, we talk about Mississippi's abundant wildlife with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science and a special guest each week. Also, Dr. Troy Major is on hand to answer questions about your pets. I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us Thursday mornings at 9 with a repeat broadcast Saturday mornings at 6 for Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio.
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. With summer vacation comes more downtime, travel time, and often increased screen time for Mississippi children. Despite having many new media platforms, TV continues to dominate other options. A new national study of parents with children ages 2 to 6 finds TV viewing is one of the top ways that families spend time together, with 89% of parents reporting they watch TV together as a family. Research also shows kids in low-income households are more likely to rely on TV for educational content during the summer months. Questions on how to make the right media choices arise as parents seek high-quality media content. Sarah DeWitt is vice president of digital for PBS Kids. She tells us how much television a child should consume during the summer months.
2: What we suggest is really thinking about what fits best into the family's lifestyle. I mean, there are guidelines from the American Academy of Pediatrics and NAEYC, the National Association for Education of Young Children, but both of them kind of come down to you really need to understand your child and their preferences. So what we recommend is that a parent be really proactive about it, not just, turn on the TV or hand the kid a tablet whenever there's some downtime, but instead really think about what are the best times of day. So for me personally, it's Saturday at noon when I'm putting my two-year-old down for a nap. That's when my five-year-old gets <laughs> some screen time. Um, so first is kind of choosing the times that make the most sense and making that routine really clear with your child. So the child knows when to expect it. Um, and then the next thing to do is to really think about what could be the most educational piece of content for this child. So what are their interests? Choosing something from a really high-quality provider. So if your child's really interested in animals, then we would recommend looking at WildCrafts because you know that's educational from PBS and it's going to be really kind of filling that interest that the child has, getting them more into that experience. And then talking to their kid about what they watched. That's really the way to make it most educational, is to then after the child has watched or played, be able to have a conversation with them about it. Is
0: it considered quality time to sit and watch the program with your child?
2: Oh, absolutely. If you have the time to do that, that's what all the research says is best. We call it co viewing. If you can sit down with the child and then interact with them while you're watching. So, you know, if Daniel Tiger on screen is being mad and trying to work through those feelings, to actually turn to your child and say something like, Remember when you were mad yesterday? Or how do you think Daniel feels right now? To have that conversation while they're watching is really great for retention of what they're seeing in the show, but also helping the child understand that media is something that you can share and talk about together, really setting up a nice media habit with your child.
0: Because media can be accessed on so many different venues, is there a preference or is there a recommendation about whether a child should watch TV or, or on a tablet or a phone or a laptop? I mean, is one better than the other?
2: For young children, the recommendation is usually that the television experience is being done in a way that other people can see it or hear it. So, if it's in a living room where the parent can kind of hear what's going on and can kind of monitor, that's usually what's considered the best. Now, if you're talking about if you want your child to play a game and there's some great benefits to doing digital gameplay uh, and you know it's going to be a tablet, which is a more one-to-one experience, then usually the recommendation is that the parents set up the experience for the kid, like, say, We are going to play on the PBS Kids Games app and open it for the child and then still be in close enough proximity that you can kind of look at what they're doing. We also suggest that parents have a conversation with the child about it later. So what did you play today? Oh, tell me about that game. Was it hard? How did you solve it? This is actually a really good literacy booster in addition to being a great way for a parent to understand what's happening in a child's screen time. If the child has to repeat to you, How did it start? What happened in the middle? How did I resolve the problem? Then that's helping them with basic school readiness skills.
0: We know PBS Kids offers a plethora of programming for very young children. What about those who are school age?
2: I usually recommend um, looking at commonsensemedia.org. That is a great resource for rating programming for kids. They also do apps and movies. And then giving parents even more insight into what they're about. So, you know, what's the subject area um, and also what things might be an issue in your household. So they will break down whether, whether or not an um, experience has any violence in it, if they have any bad language, so that parents really understand what they're getting. And I know uh, Mississippi just launched a 24-7 PBS Kids channel. So there's great content on at any time.
0: Do you prioritize what shows are most beneficial to young children on PBS Kids?
2: I mean, I don't want to play favorites. I love the whole <laughs> PBS Kids lineup. There's some really fantastic shows.
0: Sarah DeWitt is vice president of digital for PBS Kids. Thanks for the recommendations and the good information. Thanks so much for having me coming up author ace atkins on his seventh quinn colson novel this is mississippi edition on mpb think radio
4: if you're a sustaining member of mpb think radio we appreciate your support of our programs to become a sustainer go to mpbonline.org this is mississippi edition
0: Avid Mississippi readers can take a literary journey through the Deep South in this week's book club feature. Ace Atkins is the New York Times bestselling author of The Fallen. The novel is the seventh in his Quinn Colson series. A top crime writer, Atkins has been nominated for every major award in crime fiction, including the Edgar three times. Two of the nominations were for novels about former U.S. Army Ranger Quinn Colson. The Oxford writer tells us his main character is a throwback.
4: I think Quinn represents kind of a, an honest man in maybe dishonest times. Fact and truth and doing the right thing, you know, kind of sometimes seem like old fashioned ideals, but he's, he's definitely a throwback to kind of the characters from the, the old westerns and, and the classic American heroes. So he's a, he's a fun character to write about.
0: Quinn is a sheriff who is a former Army Ranger. How much does that position play a part in who he is?
4: I think it's a major role. When I came up with this series, I knew that I wanted to do a character and I wanted to do a world and I wanted to do a county that was very contemporary. And when this first started back in 2009, 2010, this is just when we started seeing people coming home from the front. We saw so many people specifically in Mississippi and in North Mississippi, men and women coming home from the front, trying to make their way in the world to get into regular society. And that's who Quinn represents. He's not a super soldier. He's not Jason Bourne. He's not a Delta Force operator. He's just a army soldier who's come home and really, to boil things down, he's finding a completely different front back at home. And he's finding a lot of the problems that he encountered overseas, dealing with corruption, drug running, intolerance, ignorance, that kind of stuff. He's finding it, facing it in his own backyard. So he is the soldier that has returned home to try to make a difference.
0: What about the other lead character who's sort of his sidekick, Lily Virgil?
4: Lily is probably the most fun character I've ever written. Uh, She is uh, straight-talking, she is strong. She is kind of the calamity Jane of the series. I mean, for readers who are maybe shocked by a little bit of salty language, they may take exception to Lily, but she represents, I used to be a newspaper reporter for several years, and I knew a lot of tough, resourceful women that worked in law enforcement. In fact, one of them, a woman named Jane Castor, ended up becoming chief of police down in Tampa where I, where I covered the news. And so she kind of represents a lot of women that I knew in law enforcement, tough, capable and certainly, direct as you can get
0: you write about two books a year. is that correct? that's right, so you're a prolific prolific writer, certainly. Are you under two different publishers or contracts with your Robert B. Parker books, and then your own no,
4: books? thank god I'm not if if, it, if I was working for two different publishers, I think there could be a little bit of fighting for my time but fortunately for for the last oh God twelve years, I have been with. Putnam and they have been very understanding about my two schedules. And so when Mr. Parker died, I had just started writing the Quinn books in Mississippi and uh, the Spencer books that. Uh were created by Robert B. Parker are very northern. They're set in Boston, very gritty, very urban. And so who do they hire but a guy from originally from Alabama (laughs) Mississippi, (laughs) to write about Boston. But it gives me a little uh, bit of perspective. It really does. Half the year I'm writing about things that happen in the Northeast, and I'm able to get a perspective there. And then I'm able to come back home and write about problems, issues, things that are going on in our own community. And that's, you know, that's really what crime fiction and novel writing is all about, which is to to look at issues that are in your own community, things that are sometimes ugly, some things that are unpleasant, and uh, talk about them, expose them. And then ultimately, I hope with these books is is laugh at them. I, I think that there's a lot of things in these books that are you either going to cry or you're going to laugh. And, and hopefully with these books, they'll, they'll, they'll make you laugh.
0: How did you latch on to this genre, thrillers, mysteries? Well, I think
4: really the, my favorite writers were ones that wrote in this world of crime. And going back to Dashiell Hammett and to Chandler and to John D. MacDonald. And, you know, I think that these writers, and and even in in many of the books that Faulkner wrote, were uh, in the crime world, the mystery world. And then for me, coming from the background of being a newspaper reporter, covering the news, it just seemed like the perfect, it wasn't something that's about excitement and thrills. It was really about writing about issues, ideas, and exposing corruption. And, and, I, and I always like that stuff. I, I always like that as a newspaper reporter. I always like to call it the way it is. And if, if you can't do that as a writer, then I think you're, you're pretty lost out.
0: I recently spoke with John Gresham, who produces one book a year. He works on a very strict schedule. And you do two books a year. What is your schedule? right? Do you you also have like a strict schedule that you follow?
4: Well, I think Grisham makes a little bit more money. (laughs) He can can take a little time off. Uh, I do have a a really strict writing schedule. I, um, you know, again, uh, coming from the newsroom, I, I like to come in. I like to go to work. I have an office here in Oxford. I sit down and I work five, six days a week and that's my job. And half the year I'm writing about Boston, half the year I'm writing about North Mississippi. But you'll find me on the square, you know, getting a big cup of coffee, sitting down at my desk and working on the next book. But it's a it's a hell of a great job. And and, uh, this is a great state to write about both in the the wonderful stuff and the great cultural stuff and the great music and the the food and the people. But then also, you know, you got to love the corruption here. (laughs) So, you know, know, again, if you can't look at this stuff and and laugh, uh, you'll you'll definitely go crazy.
0: Well, this book is called The Fallen. It is a Quinn Coulson novel, and we've been speaking with its author, Ace Atkins. Ace, thanks so much for being with us.
4: Thanks, Karen. Always, always a pleasure.
0: The Fallen will be released next Tuesday, July 18th, and Atkins will be at Square Books in Oxford that same day at 5 p.m. Thanks for listening to Mississippi Edition today. I hope you'll join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi Edition only on MPB Think Radio.
1: Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Mississippi State University Center for Distance Education, providing online programs and certification at the graduate and undergraduate levels. Distance at State, even there, you're here. More information at distance.msstate.edu.